we the people in order to form a more perfect union establish justice ensure domestic tranquility provide for the common defense promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. That's the preamble to the United States Constitution. And in the kind of uh, the story of the United States, that is the sacred uh, governing text. The sacred founding text is the Declaration of Independence. Those two documents the Declaration and the Constitution, um, for better or for worse, compel, inspire, and bracket who we are as a country 250 years later. We the people is the defining paradigm of how America, American democracy is supposed to work. But it's never been we the people. It's been some of the people it's been we, some of the people. And in 1965, the United States, with the Voting Rights Act, made it really we, the people. And the, uh, one of the most important pieces of legislation, and I think perhaps the most important piece of legislation in American democratic history, the Congress in 1965, uh, prohibited, put, prohib, put prohibitions on racial discrimination in voting. Um, and there were so many discrim, uh, discriminations out there that the, the, the act had to be massive, had to be huge. That act has been cut away at um, by the U.S. Supreme Court over time. And yesterday, the United States Supreme Court heard a further set of arguments about that Voting Rights Act and what it prohibits. prohibits. I want to talk this morning about the Voting Rights Act and about we the people and about those Supreme Court decisions, about the Supreme Court case yesterday. Um, I'm going to aim for these podcasts to be about 20 minutes in length. I know the first one was longer because I wanted to set the stage, but I'm going to try to do more, more of these and shorter rather than fewer and longer. Um, so this is David Domke. This series in the podcast is the fight to vote. That is the, uh, the, the thing, the, uh, the defining call of our time, the fight to vote. Uh, it is, it has been the defining call f- for Americans forever. Uh, and I just feel, I uh, wish we weren't here, but I feel fortunate to, to play a part for us at Common Power, for us as, as citizens to play a part in this struggle. We the people started out being white men with property of certain educational backgrounds who could vote. In the United States, the Constitution of the United States does not say much about who gets to vote, 
Um, in fact, let me say that again. It doesn't say anything about who gets to vote. It doesn't say much about elections at all. Uh, but there are portions of the Constitution that do speak to elections. And I will take that up in the, uh, in the next episode when I talk about the For the People Act, which is in Congress right now, in which Congress is considering a piece of legislation that would be the, the most important since the Voting Rights Act the new For the People Act. Uh, the House of Representatives may well vote on that today. Today. And that legislation is monumentally meaningful, significant, and I want to talk about that. Um, but I don't need to do it today. The House is going to pass it either today or tomorrow or the next day. And then the battle will be in the U.S. Senate. And I will talk about it at length um, after today. But at the beginning, the states uh, controlled the voting because the, con the founders couldn't decide on a uniform pattern of who could vote because state after state had different notions of freedom, who was free. Certainly, enslaved people were not free. Uh, native peoples were not even considered citizens of the United States. The uh, men, oh, it was only men who could vote. Now, there were a few northern states where, where there were exceptions, where black people could vote. Uh, uh, even women could vote in a couple places. But those quickly were removed after the founding of the country, with the exception of a few states in the north that allowed African-American men to vote all the way up to the uh, up through the Civil War. Over time, people have fought to expand the right to vote to many other folks, to first to all men in the 15th Amendment uh, that was passed in 1869 by the Congress, ratified in 1870 by the states, then to women in the 19th Amendment, rat, uh, passed, and rat, passed in 1919, ratified in 1920, and then with the Voting Rights Act to prohibit the kind of racial discrimination rampant across the South um, in this country. Today, today, there is a, a vigorous discussion around the Voting Rights Act. And in 2013, the U.S. Supreme Court, the John Roberts Court, uh, stripped away a very important set of provisions within the court, within the, the act, which had mandated that all changes to election law in states that had a history of racial discrimination in voting had to be pre-cleared, that's the terminology, pre-cleared or pre-clearance um, by the Department of Justice. The U.S. Federal Department of Justice had to approve all changes to election laws in states that met a certain criteria for previous racial discrimination in voting. The court ruled that, that those criteria, that pre-clearance, should be removed, uh, that the current conditions that's the term that Roberts used in his majority opinion. The current conditions no longer mandated this. That's just obviously wrong. And the credible push for voter suppression right now all over this country and the reactions to that decision by the Supreme Court when state after state, Texas and North Carolina and Ohio and Wisconsin um, and on and on passed voter restriction laws uh, 
made clear that that was wrong by Roberts. Um, removing that preclearance law allowed states to to enact all kinds of voting voting restrictions. And that's what we are fighting against today and have been fighting against for the last, uh, well, since that Supreme Court decision in 2013, but that court decision was spurred because there already were a series of laws that had come out by states. And so really, we can go back and point to the very first voter identification law where uh, Indiana had passed it in 2006. And in 2008, the Supreme Court upheld it, requiring that voters had to provide a, a government-issued uh, voter identification card in order to vote. That was the beginning, and it is it is just stunning. Right now, the Brennan Center has identified 453 bills that have been put put forward in. I'm sorry, 423. Got to get those numbers exactly right. 423 in 43 states that have been put forward this year alone, and we're in. We're on March 3rd. The Supreme Court yesterday heard oral arguments on an Arizona case. It, the case is uh, uh, Bernovich is the uh, last name of the Arizona Attorney General, a Republican, and he is defending two Arizona laws passed by Republican legislatures in Arizona uh, years ago that make it harder to vote in the state. The two laws are this. One says that voters who, uh, that nobody can return a ballot, a, a vote ballot for anybody except for somebody in their own family. So that I cannot return my neighbor's vote ballot. I cannot mail it in. I cannot drop it off. None of that. Um, unless they're a member of my immediate family. This, this, practice of returning vote ballots um, is really, really valuable. The ability to do it for people who live in rural areas to return members of their community, their friends, to others who don't have a car or don't have time uh, to drive to do it. It's, it's, a, it's, it's really a community practice. And the, the law in Arizona prohibits this, says it's illegal to do so that you can be prosecuted and it's a felony if you are found to have returned these ballots. Conservatives argue that this is a case, this is a potential avenue for voter fraud, that somebody could take someone else's ballot and change it. There has been no cases, zero, in Arizona showing this to be fraudulent. Nonetheless, the argument is it could be. It could be, and, and perhaps it really is, and we just haven't found it, is the argument of conservatives. This is the, the hypothetical argument, always, by conservatives on voting, fraud arguments, that, well, we really think it's there, we just haven't found it, and it sure could be. Well, you know, when you, I'm just, a car just drove past me, that car could drive across the yellow line, too and hurt people. They could. The evidence of that occurring in this country is that it happens rarely, 
and unfortunately when it does, um, there's tragedy, but it, it doesn't happen hardly at all. But it could, it could. So perhaps, perhaps we should put up a fence, a fence down the middle of the street so that people can't even cross to turn into driveways across the street or couldn't go into restaurants, couldn't do the things that make us what we are in this country, free, autonomous citizens. So the first argument is that the Arizona, Arizona Attorney General is saying is that this bill, this bill does not violate the, the Voting Rights Act because it is racially neutral on its face. There's nothing racial about it. It's just a law that says not anybody, nobody can return someone else's ballot. And when you look at the results of this law, it does impact rural, particularly native voters in the state more than anybody else. But it's not a large number of people, but it does impact them more than others because they have farther to go to return their ballots. And they also have more of a community tradition of doing this practice. The Arizona court says it's racially neutral, doesn't violate the Voting Rights Act. And even if it has a result that impact a small number of people, it's not enough people. The court has to decide whether the law itself in its results is significant enough to violate the Voting Rights Act's prohibition on any discriminatory effects in vote laws. The second case, uh, second case, there's two of them at the, at the court in the, that have been joined together because they're both from Arizona, uh, says that voters can only vote in their designated precinct locations. So you have to vote where you've been assigned to vote. Um, and that if you vote elsewhere, that your vote should be thrown out, should be uh, deleted. That law has been in place for a while. They've been doing this for some time, deleting the votes of someone who votes from out of precinct. There are not many Arizonans who are affected by this law either, because most do just vote in their precinct. Um, but again, those who are most affected by this are people who live in rural, usually on reservations, um, ways, and that they vote wherever they can because it's not as clear. Also, the state has regularly moved voting locations um, in these particular geographical spaces so that it gets confusing. Arizona again says this is a racially neutral law. There's nothing on its face that is about a racial group. It's just about voters not being able to vote in any precinct, regardless of racial background. And even though the, the courts, any, uh, Arizona says that even though this does have an effect on a small number of rural Native Americans, that it should not be overturned. It should be allowed to stand. That the result of the slight discrimination, it says, is not so profound that it violates the Voting Rights Act. So the court, the U.S. Supreme Court has to decide whether two laws that are racially neutral in their language violate the Voting Rights Act because in their results, they impact certain racial group, not a huge number of them, but it has a disparate impact on a certain racial group. 
This is known as the results test of the Voting Rights Act. That if a law, regardless of what it says on its face, has a disparate set of results on that damage, that harm the ability to vote by certain racial groups, that it's discriminatory and can be struck down by the Voting Rights Act. This is section two of the Voting Rights Act. In 2013, the Supreme Court struck down the preclearance section that was in section four and related to section five. This is section two. And the Supreme Court now has a chance to, to eliminate this results test. John Roberts has been opposed to the results test since the early 1980s at least, looking at his writings and his legal arguments. He was in the Reagan administration at that time in the early 1980s, and he argued against the results test being part of the Voting Rights Act. It was put into place in the Voting Rights Act, Section 2, in 1982, and he argued against it in internal conversations in the Reagan administration. So here's Roberts' chance to strike it down. I have full expectation that he will strike it down. He will do so in careful ways, not hyperbolic ways, but that he will limit it such that it will not be entirely gone, but that the standard of disparate results will be made so significant. It'll have to be such a high bar to violate the Voting Rights Act that laws will be essentially rendered um, impotent under them, under the bill, under the law. What I'm saying is that Roberts will say in the court that the results do matter, but that the results need to be so disparately widespread, so substantial in terms of discrimination in order for the laws to be prevented under the Voting Rights Act. That they'll set a bar so high for a law to be struck down that it will make it very difficult for any laws to be challenged without massive voter discrimination. Roberts doesn't tend to just strike things down in whole cloth out of nowhere. He tends to chip away, provide the basis, and then remove. So I expect that to occur with this, this decision. It will not be issued until June. We will find out then. Good chance I'll be doing this podcast still then because this fight to vote is at DEFCON 1, and we're about to have this this national debate over the U.S. Senate that when the For the People Act goes into the Senate, and the Democrats nationally are and progressives are mobilized and enraged about the voter suppression in Georgia, in Arizona, in Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin. So this is the fight of our time. But right now the issue is... Do we believe that voting is the fund fundamental, foundational piece of the U.S. Constitution and of our democracy, that people should have the right to vote, that we cannot exist as a genuine democracy without the right to vote? The Voting Rights Act said yes, said it is what makes us a democracy. And I have adopted the position from that I've heard from several leading thinkers and also lawyers, uh, they're thinkers too, of course, and um, 
activists, people I have tremendous respect for, who have said that the United States did not really become a constitution until 1960. I'm sorry, did not become a democracy, did not become a democracy until 1965 with the Voting Rights Act. And that we're now very much in danger of losing the protections that made it so. We at Common Power are committed to fight for this. We are committed. There are chances for our success and there are strong likelihoods that we are fighting against a strong current that will not be beatable right at this moment. But there's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a contest. We have a place to play. We made, we are making phone calls into Arizona and Georgia. We are making phone calls into states all across the country. Um, the phone calls Arizona and Georgia are to ask citizens to contact their legislators to pressure them to not pass the voter suppression bills in their states. The phone calls across the country are to ask citizens to contact their senators and to ask them to support the For the People Act. Today, in the Congress, For the People Act might well pass the House. It's clear what we need to do. It's clear. I will talk in the next podcast about the For the People Act. Right now, the Voting Rights Act is what we seek to emulate, to build a, a foundation for our democracy that is as strong as that piece has been. It's 56 years since that bill was passed. That law was made. It's our time to, to, to bridge it, to strengthen it, to fortify it, to advance it. All right. Please join us on our calls. Please pay attention. Please engage. I will be doing a lecture series at the end of March, 22nd and 23rd, on uh, voting rights in this country. I will talk in depth about all of this. Uh, we'll go deeper than these pieces right here and explore our actions. All right, folks, let's get to work.